So this morning I've brought in uh, my good friend, uh, many of you know him, many of you don't, uh, Luke Redis with Compassion United. They're uh, building this awesome project called Miracle City, and I just thought you guys need to hear uh, more about this. So I asked them to come and, and speak with us and, and uh, let us know about um, what's going on in Compassion United and Miracle City, and also to, uh, to share a word with us as well. Come on up, brother. The difficulty that I, I don't think a lot of people kind of understand about homelessness isn't necessarily whatever, not having income or not showering every day or whatever. The worst part is not having any place to sit and rest and be safe. Having that place that opens up every day so that when you're through with the night and trying to find any place to just rest, here's this place, doors are open, there's light inside, there's warm coffee, benches to sit down on, you know, it's literally a godsend. Once the court system was finished with me, um, unfortunately they just released you on the street. Ended up living in a shed uh, behind a gentleman's house, me and a raccoon who uh, didn't like me very much. There was a gentleman who had preached in the jail. His name was Kevin. And uh, he came to my mind and I said, I think I'll call Kevin and see if he can help me. Uh, and I actually got a hold of his wife and she said, well, Kevin's preaching down at the Conroe House of Prayer. When I walked in there, I knew right away I was where I was supposed to be. They let me in, gave me this enormous plate of food, and then said, come back tomorrow morning for coffee. And that's, that's how it started. You know, God really gave me my 45th chance in, in, in Freedom House. I came to Hosanna House probably at the end of October of last year. And um, so basically I was um, two years of sobriety and then things got rough again. And so I know I needed help. You know, there comes a point in, in your life when you realize you may not know exactly how to do life and it's okay to get help from somebody else. When I got here, I didn't really, you know, I didn't have a relationship with the Lord and so there were people here who I got to see their relationship with the Lord and then they were able to speak into me and, and kind of guide me. It's a safe place to be and the people are genuine and, the, and I don't, there's no exterior motives, no, no pushing in certain directions. It's really just time to figure out what the, just, just be with the Lord and figure out what direction to go from here is. I realized I now have a bed. I now have hot water. I have a roof over my head, a raccoon I don't have to deal with and um, people who say they actually care about me, you know. And uh, it took some time, but it didn't take long to figure out they really did care about me. People that don't think about themselves first, really. It's just selfless group of people. And if it wasn't for their grace and forgiveness and them allowing me to grow as, as a person and as a, as a man, and then I wouldn't be where I am today. I've got an IRA. I never, if you talked to me two years ago and said, hey, in two years you'll have an IRA, I'd have been like, okay, dude, sure. 
Uh, I have an IRA. I have an IRA, and I have a full-time job. Uh, the journey been it's been it's been bumpy. It's been cleansing since coming through Hosanna House. I can say my life has just gotten better and better and better. I'm not very religious, but Compassion United taught me that there's a difference between theology, religion, doctrine, and grace. And this whole place, this whole thing is the embodiment of what grace means. We got to come here and we experienced just pure love of the Father. And, uh, yeah. and that's what truly changed us. And these houses facilitate that, changing this area by changing people's lives at their very core. I want to say thank you for giving me the time to actually allow the Lord to make some serious changes in me and, uh, and then give me the opportunity to share those changes with others. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to uh, come and share with you all. I love being here. It's been too long. I'll blame that on Scott. Yeah. Uh, so this morning, uh, you know, this video uh, that, that you all just watched, uh, it was people who've gone through our program, um, you know, and what their life looks like now. And, um, you know, that speaks to, you know, our desire to transition people out of homelessness. And because, you know, a lot of what we do focuses on that, um, people think that that's all that we do. But uh, throughout the, 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 the conversation that we're going to have today, you'll see that there's, there's plenty of other things that are taking place with Compassion United. Um, um, that, that don't necessarily deal with homelessness. In fact, I don't even consider Compassion United a ministry to the homeless. Um, the heart behind what Compassion United does is, you know, we are passionate about seeing the world transformed. We are passionate about seeing our community transformed. We're passionate about seeing individual lives transformed. And, um, you know... We, we believe wholeheartedly, you know, what Scott was sharing about us being new creations and the former things passing away. That is what we communicate. That's what we live. That's what we walk out every day. Um, and that is what truly, that revelation, living in that, um, is, is what transforms people's lives. You know, that's a big deal. Um, uh, you know, Scott was talking before about uh, about our glory, right? Our glory, and and um, I, I've been there at that place where you know somebody will come up and give you a compliment, and you're like, "All to the glory of the Lord!" Like, you know, "Oh my gosh, don't anybody say anything nice about me, or God's going to get offended if I don't if I don't," you know, um, and that came from a heart from this perception of separation from God. Like, you know, because we think about God sometimes, like I'm here and he's up there, or I'm here and he's, you know, uh, if I don't 
feel it, right? I've got to kind of do something so that I feel like he's with me again, you know? And that's not condemnation. I mean, I'm not doing that to um, put anybody... I mean, we still sometimes... You know, I used to be very religious about, like, you know, when we would sing the song, you know, I'm desperate for... Like, why are you desperate for God? He's there all the time, you know? But realistically, sometimes we feel that way, right? Right? Uh, we've, we, we know... That he's right there, but sometimes we feel like he's not. But whenever we live in the reality of our oneness with God, of our our in Godness, you know, uh, it's it's easier for us to see that His glory and our glory. I mean, our glory is His glory, right? I mean, any glory we have is just a reflection of Him. You know, Paul says that as we behold Him. Uh, as in a mirror, we are transformed into that likeness from glory to glory. And if you're looking like glory, then you're going to look glorious, right? Um, and uh, I just, you know, it's interesting, that, that, that idea. Um, do you know the Eastern Orthodox Church, I'm getting off, but I'm going to get back on this in a minute. Sorry, it's really important. You know, the Eastern Orthodox Church, um, you want to know how they define Righteousness how they perceive the word, how they define the word righteousness in the Bible. Um, walking in the constant awareness of our oneness with God. Like it, it's not, you know, we westernize it and say being in right standing with God. Yes, that's true. That's, that's part of it. You know, you know, we will equate it to behavior. You know, um, you know, this is a righteous person because he does righteous things, but the reality is, all of that good behavior. I'm sorry, am I on the tape? Sorry. Oh, you're good. <laughs> I just want to get real close to you all. No. <laughs> all of that good behavior is an overflow of walking in the constant awareness of your oneness with God. You know, if any man is in Christ, right, he is one spirit with God. Um, and at the heart of what we want to communicate is that that's who we are. And through the various different programs that I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, with Compassion United, they're all focused on this aspect of our spiritual reality. That we're walking in oneness with God. That oneness with God changes things. An awareness of that changes things. Um, you know, that is, that's what I'm renewing my mind to. Me, still, every day, uh, is making sure that my awareness of my oneness with God is a continuous thing. You know, um, when, when slavery was ended, Emancipation Proclamation happened, slavery was ended, Right, and there were a lot of Southern slaves who didn't realize that slavery had ended. Right, slave masters weren't going to tell them that. Um, but then, then, then they they found out that slavery was over. Right, um, and so they got this revelation of freedom. Right, but then, so I come I come from the charismatic kind of background um, where we, we think that, you know, 
everything's going to be solved when you know somebody lays hands on you and prays you and zaps you and you know you maybe you fall over for a minute and shake some and 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 talk funny and then all your problems are going to go away uh but it's realistically it's not like that um you know somebody might do that thing and it is an impartation but then there's still a process you see when the slaves started walking in freedom they didn't know how to walk in freedom right when the israelites came out of egypt they didn't know how to live not as slaves so they had to renew their mind to the reality of the freedom that they had and it's the same thing with us i mean we're free from sin you know we're free from it why do i still sin well because you don't know you're free from it i mean you might intellectually understand that you're free from it but like do you really live in the constant awareness of your freedom from sin. And so with Compassion United, our desire is to, 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 to instill that reality in people, to walk with them through that, uh, and to help them realize that, man, um, you know, they are made in the image of God. They were created after the image and likeness of the Father and righteousness and true holiness. And I will tell you this, I lived life for so many years thinking that I was a sinner and thinking that I was corrupt and foul. And um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? And so guess what I did? I lived out my truth. Um, and the, the problem is that wasn't the truth. Uh, I'm, I'm a new creation. You know, I'm, I'm reborn, rebirthed, brand new is who I am. And whenever I started walking in the reality of my oneness with God, living out the righteousness that was given to me um, through the resurrection of Christ, guess what I stopped doing? I stopped living like I was just a no good, dirty, rotten sinner. And so... We have seen so much transformation in people's lives by communicating this. Hey, listen, I feed people what I'm fed, and that's what changed my life, right? And, uh, you know, we have seen that happen over and over again throughout uh, the, the whole um, arrangement of, of programs that we, we have. But here's a couple of more faces. This is Kenny. Kenny came to Conroe. Um, Kenny's greatest desire, his purpose... In life at that point was to come to Conroe so he could get some help getting on disability. Uh, he had had a traumatic brain uh, injury. It's, it's, kind of, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. He was trying to be a professional wrestler, um, and it didn't work. Uh, so he hurt his head, and his family said, Well, son, you ain't never going to be able to work again. Uh, I'm sorry, I talk like that because I'm from, I grew up in a trailer park and I think that, that uh, that's how my family talked. Anyway, whenever I'm imitating somebody who sounds like that, anyway, uh, that's what his family told him, uh, is, uh, is uh, that he would never be able to work again. And so he just needed to get on disability. So that's what Kenny came to town to do. And so we met Kenny. He was staying at the Salvation Army and he came to the Conroe House of Prayer one morning and, and he said, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to get some help getting on disability. And I'm like, well, you look fine. And maybe you thought about working? You know, you thought, thought about something different? And he said, okay. And so we brought him into our, our men's home. And 
Um, his mentor actually worked for Consolidated, and before his brain injury, uh, Kenny ran data cable. That was something that he did for a living, and he's, he was good at it. And so uh, his mentor was able to get him a job at Consolidated as a contractor, uh, and then he got hired on uh, full-time, and Kenny's been working at Consolidated for four years now. Has his own place. He's doing fine. He's not on disability or any kind of government program. Uh, this is Patricia. Uh, Patricia, same kind of story with no disability. Uh, she had just lost everything, and she was living in her car. Um, she came into the program. She was actually our, our house coordinator at our women's home for a while. Um, now she's married. Uh, she works part-time as a waitress, but she also has a commercial uh, janitorial service that she's building up as well. Doing great. Um, this is Charles, the guy in the middle in the green shirt. Charles was addicted to crack cocaine. Uh, 18 years, he was struggling with that addiction. And he came into the house. Uh, Charles, uh, Charles became a certified crane operator and probably makes more than you know, like half of us combined right now uh, to, the, to the point where he works a job that's a contract job for four months. And then he just kind of takes a couple of months off because he can't. Um, and so he's doing great. He owns property now. He's putting, slowly putting uh, mobile homes on the property and is renting them out to people. And so he also has a side hustle. And he's sober. He's been sober for five years now. He's doing great. Uh, this is Micah, the guy. Micah's funny. Uh, he's the guy with the tie in the middle. Um, Micah was actually a child actor. He was on Beverly Hills 90210 as a child when he, in the 90s. And uh, um, that lifestyle, there were just things that happened within that that caused him a lot of distress. And, um, you know, uh, he, he turned to alcohol for that. And um, now Micah married. I was able, I got to officiate his wedding uh, twice, actually, uh, because it, the first, the, his, his wedding wedding, well, his wedding happened during the ice storm, uh, and so I, I married he and his wife over Zoom, um, uh, and, and then, uh, then we did an actual ceremony uh, after that. Uh, and these are, all, these are all lives that have, you know, listen, I'm not going to say that everything's perfect for them now. I'm not going to say that they've got it all together, because you know what? I don't have it all together, and I'm, I've been doing this longer than them, but They've had an encounter with God, and they've had an encounter with, with a family of people who believe in them uh, and who encourage them. And all of them, everybody whose picture I just showed you, whenever things start getting a little rough, they call family. They call us. And that's what the church does. That's what the church is. It's family. I was sharing with someone... <laughs> This is going to make more sense as I show everything to you. I was, showing, I was sharing with them the, the Miracle City project that we're working on. And he, they asked me, they said, well, are you going to have an expression of the church on this campus? And I, I was like, um, this is. <laughs> this is an expression of the church. You know, all of this. Um, this is you know, what we're, we're going to be like discipling people. We're going to be family for people. We're going to be building community and we're going to be changing the world 
together. We're going to be empowering these people who had no hope and, and, and thought that they had nothing. We're going to be empowering them to make a difference. Like, I'm sorry, what about that's not church? You know, I'm just really, really excited. So um, I am so far off of what I was going to... Okay, here we go. Uh, really quickly, after this... Um, um, I'm going to I'm going to share this stuff, and then um, I would like for you all to to ask questions. Um, and if you don't, it's going to be awkward because I'm going to just stand here. Uh, Scott said I had until 12:30, I think, right, to talk today. No, uh, but uh, so yeah, uh, ask. Be thinking of questions to ask, uh, and, uh, and 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 I would like to encourage that conversation. Um, so, uh, the mission of Compassion United is to transform communities by serving their forgotten and marginalized through outreach, relief, and empowerment. That's sort of our three-step approach to what we do. Outreach, obviously, you go where you go where people are, right? You got to go there. Uh, uh, relief, you know, there, there's an immediate need um, uh, that, that people have. It might be food. It might be clothing. It might be a hug. It might be for you to sit next to them while they cry, right? Um, uh, you know, but us doing that, offering that thing, is being community with them. Um, and that's not, a, that's not a tactic. It's not a technique. Uh, it, it, it's a genuine thing. We, we can bring comfort to people who are hurting with no strings attached, right? Um, I know the, 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 the mindset that we have sometimes from a, 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 an evangelical standpoint is that the purpose of me showing relief is so that you can hear the gospel. No, the, the purpose of me showing relief is because that's what the gospel looks like, you know? Um, so, you know, people will say, well, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And that's, that's true, but it's so much easier to teach a man to fish when he's not hungry, right? Um, and so that leads us into the next aspect, and this is what I think is the better part of what we do, and that's empowerment. Um, you know, we want to not enable people, right? Um, we don't want to become anybody's hero, anybody's savior. We want to... Show people that with, you know, uh, the, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in them and that they can do it. They can make it. They can stand on their own two feet. And so those who are ready to make a transition in their life, we invite them into, um, into our program. So really quickly, I'm going to show you what, what that looks like. And I don't want you all to have, feel like you have to read every single thing that's up there. Uh, but th this is kind of kind of the family of programs right now. Um, so we have Breakfast in the Park, which is a weekly outreach to the unsheltered in Conra. Um, we have Destiny Kids, which y'all are familiar with Destiny Kids. Uh, I don't know if y'all have heard anything about those people. Uh, here it's a cult. No. <laughs> so um, have y'all shared anything about what's potentially in the works about any of that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's exciting, but I guess we're not going to tell you about that yet. Luke said I can't. Uh, it's good, good possibilities. Um, 
uh, outreach to children and youth in Conroe that encourages them and equips them for life. Um, I'm just really proud of what Luke and Katie have done with that. You know, uh, uh, Katie's been a part of it since 2012, since it first started. Um, and 2012, right? Yeah. And uh, Luke came along in 2014 or 15. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and just, uh, it's amazing. Um, uh, Terry's Table's Food Pantry. Uh, we, uh, through our food pantry, provided close to a million pounds of grocery to those in, in need last year. Uh, the Conroe House of Prayer is a church for the unsheltered uh, that they can come to uh, five days a week uh, for food, clothing, uh, hygiene, um, guidance. You know, like, yes, I know that guy made you mad, but you don't need to punch him in the face. That kind of guidance is great, uh, especially not in the middle of worship, because, uh, you know, that has happened. <laughs> I've been preaching on peace, right? Peace. And one guy stands up over the table and pow, punches the other guy. I'm like, ah, oh, I love my church. It's great. <laughs> Praise Jesus. This is where you need to be if you feel like you got to hit somebody. But come on. Y'all thought about hitting somebody in church before, right? <laughs> Not Scott, though. No. No. Um, Freedom House is our uh, home for men who are ready to make a change uh, in their life um, and, and experience success in their future. Um, Hosanna House is a home for women who are, you know, uh, uh, ready to, to see the value that they have and to learn to live a life that, that reflects the destiny that God has made available to them. We, we had another transition house called the Joy Home, and the Joy House, and that was for women uh, in, in crisis pregnancy. We lost that in Harvey, um, but um, um, we have a, planned, a plan to rebuild that, and I'll, I'll, I'll share that in a minute. Um, and then Fresh Start is our supportive service to our transition homes. And basically what Fresh Start does is sort of comes along and, and, and provides everything that the people in our homes need to kind of move them forward in life. So um, do they have, they need to get their ID. Fresh Start helps them with that. Um, um, do they need to, you know, pay fines? You know, all of this stuff, these operational things that they need to get back on their feet. But in addition to that, you know, we do things where we find out about them. We take various assessments. Where we learn about their personality. We learn about their strengths. We learn about what motivates them. We learn about emotional, uh, their emotional maturity. Because um, that's a bigger deal than you might think. Um, and get as much information about them as we can that we also reveal to them to kind of help them navigate life and to see where maybe things have kind of gone off the rails um, and how honestly some of the some of the problems that we experience in life some of the relational hiccups that we have are related to the fact that we have these incredibly strong strengths that we're not tempering or using in 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 an appropriate way um, you know just to give you an example we use the strengths finder assessment and I um, I have a lot of really strategic um, strengths, and then I have one strength called belief, um, which means I'm, I'm, I pretty much, once I believe something, you can just hang it in your ear if you think you're going to change my mind about it. In the raw, that's what it looks like. Um, and um, my wife would say, before we took that assessment and understood, and we did this, you know, 16 years ago. It's like before we took that assessment and understood that about me, she's like, I just thought he was a jerk, um, you know, because she, she would, we would be talking about a problem, 
right? And she would be wanting to offer her solution, and I would be like, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that either. No, that's not going to work. No, that won't work, you know? Um, and, and the reality is that's my strength. I figure stuff out, and I do it really, really fast. So everything that she's presenting to me, I've thought about it already, and I can see 10 ways that it won't work. Now, she's incredibly relational, right? She doesn't care if I use her solution. She just wants us to talk about it together. You know, we just got you know, to talk about it. Let's just do it together. And I'm like, ugh, so tedious. No, uh, uh, but like, but not knowing that about myself, like I came across like a jerk to a lot of people. I don't come across like a jerk to anybody anymore, I'm sure. Uh, but like a lot of people don't realize they have these incredible strengths, but because they didn't know how to use them and they didn't know when it was appropriate, um, it's created a lot of relational stress in their life. And they've had a lot of falling outs with family. Um, a lot of these things will drive you to drink, you know, drive you to drug if you don't understand it the right way. And so, you know, Fresh Start gathers all of this information, helps them understand themselves, and then like... Uh, assigns them with a mentor, and you know that mentor and the directors of the programs actually help them come up with their plan of what their success is going to look like. And typically, they're like, "Well, I just want to get a job and get on my feet." There I go again. Sorry, uh, I need to learn a different. I need to learn a different accent. And then we encourage them to dream bigger, right? Because getting on your feet means you just getting on your feet means you can just get knocked off your feet again. And so we want them to be stable. Uh, and so that's what, that's what Fresh Start does. So basically, uh, the Compassion United um, serves in all aspects of the poverty landscape, uh, making, uh, making us a dynamic and holistic solution to address the needs of the poor, uh, the unsheltered, uh, uh, the addicted, and just the, uh, you know, the hopeless in our community. Um, so the next phase of that uh, is this this, uh, uh, well, let me just share this with you really quick, because this was the impact. Every year in, in December, we put out something called an impact report. Uh, and the impact report is basically all of the successes and all of the impact that we feel like we've had over the past year. And from 2020, this is what uh, the Compassion United Impact, some of what the Compassion United Impact Report contained. Um, served over 42,000 hot meals. Um, provided almost a million pounds of groceries uh, to over 25,000 people uh, in, in, in Montgomery County, uh, provided clothing and hygiene items to those in need throughout the region, um, had 1,602 volunteers serve over 21,000 hours in CU programs, uh, provided transitional housing for 28 men and women, who decided that they wanted to see a change in their lives and provided 2,238 hours of mentoring, teaching, and recovery group time. Uh, so we're busy, um, but there's, there's a lot happening. And, and uh, a, lot, a lot more took place last year. And I keep saying I'm going to tell you about that later. I really am going to tell you about all of it. Uh, so the, ne the next phase of, <clears throat> of where we're going is this concept called Miracle City. Um, several years ago, Carl and I began to dream of something that we thought would completely change the landscape of compassion ministry in Montgomery County uh, and beyond. Um, and, and, and this idea would be this innovative, 
master planned community that would meet the unique and tangible needs of the unsheltered, of the poor, uh, and the under-resourced in our community. So we imagined um, that this would be, uh, this place would empower them and equip them to believe that a transition from hopelessness, right, a transition from their current, whatever that circumstance was, into a life of restored dignity, of self-worth, and of self-sufficiency was something that was possible. Um, so at the time, it's really funny. I, I, it's not funny. I put out a, a video on uh, uh, a week ago, Tuesday, um, and 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 a week ago Tuesday was when that idea first started to churn in my mind. I was in the hospital. Um, I, I had diverticulitis. And uh, I was in the hospital waiting for the inflammation to go down so that they could, they could do surgery. And while I was there, I was reading a book uh, by Matthew Barnett called The Church That Never Sleeps. And that, that's a great title. Uh, but anyway, he was talking about the Los Angeles. He's the founder of the Los Angeles Dream Center and, and that concept. And I was reading that book, and that's where I really started to dream about this possibility, something like this for Montgomery County. Now, at the time, that was so far out of reach for us. Um, uh, I was still on staff. Carl and I were both still on staff at a church, and all we were really doing at that time was we had breakfast in the park, and we had taken over this building in downtown for this place called the Conroe House of Prayer, but that really had no legs on it at the time. So we put that back on the back burner. Um, so fast forward, 2017 was a devastating year for us. Um, we had lost a lot of people who were very close to us personally. We lost the Joy House in the hurricane. Um, and it was just a year marked by loss. And um, what we really felt is by the end of that year, though, the Lord was inviting us to dream again. Um, and he started to reawaken this passion, this idea of this concept that we had, we had, we had put on the back burner so many years ago. And uh, he was starting to give us greater vision and greatest clarity, greater clarity for it. And I remember I was, I was in the shower one time and I was praying. And, and while I was praying, I just saw, um, uh, like, driving into this driveway, and over the top of it was this arch that said, "Welcome to Miracle City." And I just like, I ripped the shower curtain back. Uh, don't put that picture in your mind right now. Uh, and I yelled at Carla, the Lord wants us to call it Miracle City. Um, and so that's where the, the, the name was born. So January 2018 hit. We met our team. We started talking to them about it. Uh, I, I started, uh, one of the gentlemen who's on my board now, he wasn't at the time. Uh, he's a business consultant. And he started coaching us um, to, to make our business side of what we do look better. Um, and in the process of doing that, he asked you, what's your BHAG? You know, y'all know what BHAG is? Big, hairy, audacious goal. And I remember sitting at the table, across the table from him, and he's like, Luke, what's your BHAG? And I'm like, I want to build a city. <laughs> um, and he's like, what do you mean by that? And I started telling him about... about this concept, and he started working with us to do that. Um, so, a couple of months later, crazy stuff started happening because you, oh, just God's so good. You got to know that. 
Listen, I'm not good at this, y'all. I just, I feel like I'm force gumping my way through this thing. And, and, you know, that's what grace looks like. It's beautiful. A couple of months later, I get a call from uh, uh, John Hull at uh, the Woodlands United Methodist Church. And um, he says, uh, hey, let's go to lunch. And so me and Carla go to lunch with him. And he tells us, um, what are big projects that you're working on? And we start talking to him about Miracle City. Because this wasn't public yet. Nobody really knew this. And uh, he's like, that's great. Okay, great. So we're about to do a building campaign. Y'all know what the Woodlands United Methodist Church is, right? The, the, the Methodome, the biggest, the, the church that 10% of the Woodlands goes to. Um, 15? Probably, yeah. Is it really? Did they grow? No. Uh, I mean, just, they're, they're just, they're in there. They really are a great, a great, uh, a great, uh, great bunch of folks. Um, but he said, we're about to enter into this building campaign. And what they do whenever they do a building campaign is they, they, while they're raising the money, they commit a portion of the money to a local mission and a portion of it to a foreign mission. And he said, we want you to be a part of that as well. So Compassion United is going to be the local mission. I was like, yeehaw. And he says, that could be 50,000. It could be 100,000. I don't know what it's going to be. And I'm like, hey, it could be 10,000. I'd be excited. So the year progressed, and uh, you know I'm having you know conversations with a buddy of mine who had recently been elected to city council, and just talking you know about uh, about the plan. There was a and, and so so one in October of I'm sorry I'm giving you a chronology here because it's exciting. I'm a storyteller. I'm sorry. Um, so you know we're we're moving to the end of of, of 2018. Remember we just kind of started talking about this at the beginning of that year. It was in October of 2018, and one of the, one of the city councilmen, who's also a downtown business owner, he comes in to, um, to the chop one morning, and he's, I mean, he's, he's so mad, his eyes are bleeding, and he's like, I need to talk to you now. And I'm like, okay. So we go outside, and uh, he, he's like, something's got to happen. And he had had an encounter with a homeless, a homeless gentleman um, who was uh, having a bad day. Um, and... Uh, and he got really upset about it. And he's got, we got to do something. And I'm like, well, you know, I said, man, I've been, I've been trying to talk to you for two months. I got a plan. And I kind of gave him the elevator pitch. And he said, wait a minute, you're trying to move? And I said, yeah, man. And he said, okay, the city's got to get behind you on this. And I said, yes, they do. Uh, so two weeks later, I'm sitting in the office with him, with the mayor, and with the city administrator. And uh, that city councilman, the Sunday before that, had gone to an axe retreat. Are you all familiar with Acts, walk to Emmaus. Anybody? It was like this. Uh, the, in the Methodist church, it's walk to Emmaus. In the Catholic church, it's Acts. But it's basically a weekend where you get away and get really spiritual. Uh, totally under-communicated under that, but nevertheless, that's what it was. So he was feeling very spiritual at the moment. And he's in this meeting, and he's crying, talking about how horrible he feels because of how, how poorly he's treated those people, Right? And I'm like, man, this is gold, you know. Uh, uh, I didn't even need to, but barely needed to make the presentation. He did it all for me. And so by the end of the year, the city of Conroe had committed to give us five acres of, of land uh, for this project. Um, and the long and the short of it is, I don't know if y'all can see that, but that's, that is... Uh, an, an aerial rendering of the actual piece of property where the Miracle City project uh, is going to reside. 
So on there, you, can't, you might not be able to see it from there, uh, but we have got, uh, you know, basically everything that, that we would want to put, everything that we would do in order to empower and transition the homeless uh, and the unsheltered is on this campus. Uh, so we have um, our, our Miracle City Day Center, which is what the Conroe House of Prayer will evolve into. That'll be our church for the homeless. But it'll also, you know, we'll be able, they'll be able to do laundry. They'll be able to take showers. They'll be able to get on a computer and, um, you know, look for jobs. Reach out to, you know, family that they, they've disconnected with. You know, basically we want to fill that up with with uh, with 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 programs and with opportunities that will keep them on site all day uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is if, if they're there, then they're not in wandering around Conroe causing problems. Uh, but the other thing, and I believe is the most important thing, is that you know, the, the, the more time we get to spend with them as community, as family, um, the greater the chances are that we're going to be able to move them into transition, right? Um, so it's not going to be like, okay, you had breakfast, let's do your laundry, and then we're going to look for a job. You know, we're, we're going we're to have a combination of relationship building time and life building time, right? Uh, hey, man, why don't we go play a game of ping pong, and then we're going to go jump on a computer and work on a resume, you know, and then we can sit down and eat lunch together afterwards, you know. Um, and long conversation about poverty culture as to why that there's actually sociological study uh, behind why that's a good way to do things, but I'm not going to go into that. Uh, that's what the day center will be. Now, for those who are ready to move into transition, if you look in uh, the upper left-hand corner, there's five structures up there. From there, they probably look like blurry little uh, rectangles. Um, but those are the transition houses. So there's two for men, two for women, and one for women in crisis pregnancy where they would be able to have their children with them. Right there in the middle, you'll see there's seven little bitty structures. Um, uh, here, let me do, let me, let me uh, well, okay. So that is going to be, those are all duplexes for long-term supportive housing. So they're, they're, um, Sorry, let me do that. That's what those are. Um, and those, those duplexes for long-term supportive housing, that's going to be for people who just really aren't going to be able to earn a wage that is going to support them, um, whether it's a, a mental health issue, a physical disability, whatever the case may be. Um, they just, you know, in Montgomery County, you have to make $15.62 an hour working 40 hours a week in order to be self-supportive. Um, uh, and there's just people who aren't going to do that. Uh, so, the people who are in that situation, they would have a job on the campus, right? Because, you know, you don't want people sitting around all day feeling no purpose. There's no dignity in that. And if they feel like they're contributing something to the community, right, that's going to have, they're going to have a more fulfilling life. And so we want them to feel like they're, we want them to know, we want them to contribute to that community. So they'll have a job that they'll do on campus in lieu of any kind of rent. Um, and, you know, the, re the reality is some of those people might live there until they die. Um, and, and that's okay because that's what family does. We take care of people their whole life. Um, uh, so, uh, um, and then over on the far right-hand side, there's a great big building there that says um, the Miracle City Empowerment Center. Uh, 
Um, so that's the building that we're currently working on right now. That's the uh, that's just the the, the 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 elevation of that building. So that's the building that we're currently working on. Long term, that's going to be where everybody goes for the classes that they have. That's where our offices are going to be. That's where that's where we're going to have all of the things that we're going to teach in Fresh Start that are going to lead them and empower them. Uh, with the skills that they need to work. Not just vocational training. We don't want to just teach them how to do a job, but realistically, you have to teach people how to get a job, and most importantly, you have to teach people how to actually have a job. Does that make sense? You know, the, the, the difference there? Somebody might be incredibly skilled at something, but if their attitude is dreadful, they're not going to keep the job. If they are, if they are uh, uh, emotionally immature and they walk into an adult situation, right, um, and they have confrontation or conflict at work and they respond to it like an emotional 12-year-old, they're not going to keep a job. And because they're an emotional 12-year-old, um, it's always going to be somebody else's fault. Because that's what teenagers do, right? Not, not any teenagers that are in here, other teenagers. So, so this right here, that will be our day center. That's the building with the church in it. Um, and there's the, the, the floor plan that we have for that. Uh, huge space for church. Currently, everybody has to take their food and put it on their lap. We'll have a separate dining hall in the kitchen, uh, so they won't have to do that anymore. Um, and it's going to be a great facility. Um, this is our transition houses. This is the initial floor plan for the transition houses, uh, with the exception of the one for women in crisis pregnancy, and that's what we think that one's going to look like. That one has to be done a little bit differently because it's going to have women there who, who have children. Um, and so all of this has been happening really, really fast. Um, you know, we went into... We, we had incredible momentum coming out of 2019 and going into 2020 um, and uh, really thought that all of that was going to be halted when, you know, global pandemic hit. Um, but we had some really amazing things that happened. Um, we were awarded a Montgomery County Community Development Block Grant for $1.25 million um, for our Miracle City Day Center. Now, for those of you who don't know what a development, a block grant is, it is HUD money that is distributed for community development within the county. So let me say that to you a different way. The federal government is going to pay <laughs> for us to build our church building. Uh, uh, I was, I'm like, you realize it's getting, and, 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 and realistically they said, well, we can't, because that says religious service, we can't pay for that portion of it, but we're going to do everything else. And I'm like, but we're a church. And they're like, well, are you going to make anybody go to church to get food? Well, no. I mean, I wouldn't do that now. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm like, okay, no problem. So uh, 1.25, and this is in 2020, right? 1.2, uh, global pandemic, right? $1.25 million uh, for the block grant. Um, had a lady call me out of the blue. Uh, sent me an email and said, hey, uh, where are you on your funding? I got a few questions. And I said, well, why don't we talk? And so we talked. Um, and I told her, well, we had to cancel our gala because uh, of the pandemic. And we had planned on raising $250,000. I should have told her we had planned on raising more than that. 
Because long and the short of it was after that conversation, she says, okay, I'm going to give you a check for $150,000 right now, and then I'm going to go into the bank and get you another check, cashier's check, for another $100,000. So she gave us $250,000. Um, we had another donor um, put up $100,000 for a matching campaign, and that was met very quickly. Um, and then we had uh, the Gabriel Foundation um, uh, gave us another $100,000. And then here's a crazy one. We had started a campaign. You know, we broke ground in October and started a campaign uh, to raise $900,000 between October 15th and February 15th. And uh, I'm sitting, you know, we do this thing every year on New Year's, uh, New Year's uh, Eve. Where, where, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere, we're somewhere where people can come and meet me uh, if they want to drop off, you know, a check. Um, and so I was talking to, the, you know, one of the gentle, uh, one gentleman called me and asked me where we were, and I said, we need $530,000. And he said, okay, uh, me and my wife are going to bring you a check for $530,000. Um, and I was like, okay, because that's just, that's not weird at all, right? Um, all in all, and this is the faithfulness of God, you know, global pandemic and, and the worst economic crisis of my lifetime, the Lord was faithful to secure $2.65 million for this project. Um, and so this is where we are today. Well, this is kind of the progression here.
So it's like, you know, for me, hard to, hard, hard to believe that, uh, you know, uh, 12 years ago on a hospital bed, um, the spark of a, a dream. I was on Dilaudid at the time. Maybe that's why I was, it didn't seem impossible. No, yeah, just that moment, like just being inspired by by um, what we were seeing in another city, and and, and being driven by um, wanting to be able to to do more to change people's situation, to to make it. You know, we didn't just want to see people saved; we wanted to see people successful. You know, and that that dream just kind of was tucked away for so many years. And when the Lord when the Lord's ready. Uh, you know, it all becomes so clear in my mind and in my heart. Um, but then to see how the Lord is bringing people in to be a part of this uh, every step of the way, uh, people are like, well, how's the project going? And, and my response is, you know, it's, 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 well, not fast enough, but like so much faster than I thought uh, it would ever, it would ever be. You know, I'd, <laughs> I was telling people, uh, you know, last year, they're like, well, so what do you think about all this? And I'm like, well, I kind of feel like a chubby kid running downhill, you know. My momentum is carrying me faster than my feet will move, and I feel like I could fall on my face at any moment. But the Lord um, is so good and so faithful. So by, by the end, uh, 10 full years of operation, the Miracle City is going to have the capacity to holistically transform the lives of 1,250 people. Uh, and serve over 120,000 under-resourced families with food, with clothing, with emotional and spiritual guidance, and more. Uh, introducing hope and help into their, their less than fortunate circumstances. Um, and we are going to have incredible opportunities for, we, st- we do now. Um, we have actually, uh, we, we implemented a platform called Point. Um, um, and I don't know if y'all are familiar with Point, but basically you can you can download an app and 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 you can when you download the app you can search out Compassion United, and then every time we have a volunteer opportunity, our leaders post that and you're notified. And so we we have needs for um, y'all don't need anybody, do you? <laughs> um, with, with, well, they're going to, and you'll hear more about that in the future, right? I, I believe they are. Um, really great things are happening with Destiny Kids. Um, I'm just really going to tease you with that because it's amazing. Um, but, you know, Destiny Kids needs volunteers. Uh, my wife is the director of, of our empowerment program, Fresh Start, so we, we need mentors. Uh, our food pantry, um, we... we do food pantries during the week, and then we have mobile markets on Saturdays, and we always need people to come out and and serve at those. That's something that a lot of people do as a church for like 250 bucks. That pays for all the food, right? And then the church comes out and helps distribute that, and we just kind of move around from place to place with all the logistics and and you know record all the data. But that's things that people can do as a church. Um, you know, and, and as this campus is, is built more and more, there's going to be even more opportunities for people to get involved. And that's one of the things that we're um, incredibly passionate about. Like, you know, you saw the number. We had 1,602 volunteers last year. Um, at that time, when we had 1,602 volunteers, I want to say we probably had four people on paid staff. 
So that, that's how we want to do this. With the, we don't want to pay anybody. No. Um, <laughs> you know, our desire when we began this has always been, we've said that this is an outreach and this is an inreach. Right? This, is, this is an outreach because we're going to go out to the community and we're going to bring them into the church family. But this is an inreach because we're going to reach into the church and we're going to bring them out into the community. Right? And we believe that with, with that convergence um, where the body of Christ is coming together to show what Jesus looks like to people who really need to know what Jesus looks like, that's how we're going to see the kingdom of God made manifest in this world. And that's how we're going to see our world transformed. Amen.